You know, we all have a lot of data and it has to positively, absolutely stay safe. It can't get into the wrong hands. And the biggest challenge we have is how to transfer it from here to there. We all know as leaders that legacy tools that transfer our important files and sensitive data are mostly outdated and fall short on security, especially with the demands of today's remote workforce. Relying on outdated technology puts our organization's brand at risk. And that is unacceptable. So we are excited to invite you to step into the future of completely secured managed file transfer from our friends at KiteWorks. KiteWorks is absolutely, positively the most secure managed file platform on the market today. They've been FedRAMP moderate authorized by the Department of Defense since 2017. And unlike traditional legacy systems with limited functionality, KiteWorks has unmatched software security with ongoing bounty programs and regular pen testing to minimize vulnerabilities. And the coolest part, they have easy to use one-click appliance updates you will love. Step into the future of secure managed file transfer with KiteWorks. Visit KiteWorks.com to get started. That's KiteWorks.com to get started today. And now, the show. Come join us this year as we celebrate the 20th anniversary of the importance of Cybersecurity Awareness Month. With resources, time, and energy spent spreading awareness to fight cybercrime. Better security investment has a positive ROI for boardrooms and the bottom line. This year, our goal is to challenge you to learn something new about cybersecurity and to share it with others. So to raise awareness, we challenge you to do that this year. We're launching security live stream every single day during Cybersecurity Awareness Month covering key cybersecurity topics. So come join us and raise awareness this year. This is Cybercrime Junkies. And now, the show. So welcome, everybody, to Cybercrime Junkies podcast. In today's episode, we're going to have how to protect yourself online, the four truths about cybersecurity from an FBI perspective with special guest, Scott Augenbaum. Scott, welcome to the studio. Thank you, sir. Hey, guys, thank you so much for having me here. You guys are doing unbelievable work in educating people, and it's such a privilege to be here with you today. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Scott, explain to the listeners your background. From our understanding, you're a retired FBI special agent of the Cyber Division, which was formed, what, back in 2002 in Washington, D.C.? You know, tell, sure. us tell, 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 tell us about your, tell us a little bit about your background, right, so that the listeners understand. Well, first of all, I, I don't see, think my listeners can see me, but you see the big smile on my face, right? We do. That's because I'm retired from the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> and I retired in 2018. I had an amazing 30-year career with the FBI. Started at age 20 as a file clerk, became an FBI agent when, in 1995, dabbled in cyber in 1998 when the National Infrastructure Protection Center was formed as the lead government agency for critical infrastructure protection in 1998. I got involved. That was my core competency. Cybercrime, I went to headquarters in 2003 as a supervisory special agent in the FBI Cyber Division, worked on the first national cyber strategy, became a supervisor of our cyber task force in Nashville, Tennessee from 2007 to 2013. Spent the last four years handling all outreach because I discovered a really important message that I, it was my job to get out to the community. Retired in 2018, started a brand new journey. And as I like to joke, 30 years, never had a real job. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not a lot of responsibility, right? No, yeah, no responsibility at all. But I want to take you guys back in time a little bit. I want to take you back until 1995. I want to explain the difference between today's environment of the FBI and what it was like. So if you'd ask me, what did I, Scott, what do you do for, what'd you do for a living in 1995? I would say it's really easy. Yeah, like a day in the life. What was a day in the life right. then? Well, I'm going right. to give you a big, give you a big encapsulating picture of what five years looked like. I can explain it in three sentences or a couple of words. Bad people did bad things to good people. And I worked with local cops and state cops, and we put bad guys in jail. Right. What a fun and exciting job for this 27-year-old kid from Brooklyn, New York, a gun, a badge, a bulletproof vest, played cops and robbers with my friends. Because in 1995, crime was a localized problem. And the FBI has 56 field offices, about 485 small, off, smaller offices. And that's it. Crime was a localized problem. And we were working bank robberies, fugitives, drug dealers, and all that stuff, extortion. I mean, my life was the middle of uh, a video game and a mystery novel from bouncing from one thing to another. <laughs> that's a it great description. Lane. And and even cybercrime was in its infancy when I started. And now, as you know, it's a completely different world that we live in today. Yeah, it, it really started almost as wire fraud, things like that. Right. And then it, it's, you know, we, we talk about it all the time, how when people get online, they're in a small town in rural Kansas and they get online. You are not entering rural Kansas. There are there are no borders. When you get online, you enter their world. Yep. And it's, 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 it's interesting. You know, I, I've, I've read a lot of your, your, your work, Scott, you, 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 you mentioned back in like August, 2016, and for the listeners, Scott has these four truths. So we're going to get into them and some of the true cyber crime stories that Scott was involved in. So and these are people I looked face to face with this. This mm-hmm. isn't a situation where we're talking with a large healthcare company in the billions of dollars, which I've seen victimized or Fortune 500 companies. I've seen that. These are small businesses. Right. These are romance scam victims. These are the elderly. These are nonprofit organizations. And yep. what do they all have in common? which is my first truth about cybersecurity. And I want to ask you guys to help me unpack these because we can go into hours on each one. But the first one is none of my victims ever expected to be a victim. They were all caught off guard and they went like this. I can't believe I I was targeted. Why would anyone want to target me? You you know, I wanted to say, where are you getting your information from? People Magazine, the cyber criminals do not (laughs) care who you are. Now being retired and working for myself, I'm going to tell you they're 100% wrong. Mm-hmm. 100% wrong. Yeah. Well, and here's what I was telling people back when Dark Overlord was playing yeah. in the field. If you have ransomware on your network, I want you to know that they already stole your information. And this would, yeah. people would not want to hear this because at the end of the day, and you know, do we pay or do we not pay? I'm going to tell you everybody pays. If you're thinking about that, you are having the wrong conversation with your organization. What are we doing to prevent this from happening? What are we stopping? How are we stopping executables from running on our network? And I'm telling you point blank, the whole thing of backing up, nobody ever takes into account that backing up does nothing to prevent ransomware. We've been focusing on the availability aspect for too long. I sit down with healthcare companies and I go, okay, if they can steal your information, can they alter your information? Yes. Yes. Healthcare company. What do you do if they change a simple letter from A to B and all your blood type records and you get an email saying a message? We have to stop. We have to think differently about the whole entire ransomware. So let's get make sure everybody here understands where we are so far. 
Bad guys impact you. It's still important to report these things. Business email compromise completely out of control. The account compromise, and this is according to my friends today who are doing intrusion response work for hire, almost 80% of their intrusion response work comes down to nothing more than account compromise. Not a sophisticated attack. The fact that there are billions of usernames and passwords on the dark web, and from the dark web, these bad guys are selling them to the West Africans who are figuring out very, very simple scripts to start spraying your stolen username and password from the Yahoo breach in 2015 against 100 of the top e-commerce sites. And they are just getting in time and time again. And the exactly. fact is, a majority of people do not put two-factor authentication. And everyone goes like this to me. I can't believe this happened to me. The cyber criminals just got access to because my whole Salesforce database was online. And they blame the CISO right? Yep. instead of blaming the sales. <laughs> These are the things that we have to really kind of take into account. And, you know, what I talk about is not revolutionary. It's kind of common sense. But as, we, as I say all the time, common sense is not the same thing as common practice. It takes work. There's no magic pill for that. Then you go through the four truths and then you just really sit here. And if you explain that, look, you're not getting your stuff back. Nobody's going to jail, but it could have been prevented. And then you just start unpacking like, look, 90 percent of the stuff I dealt with were these five or six principles. These are the principles. Go work on this. This is what I'm putting out every day on LinkedIn. Just trying to make a point. You need repetition. You read my book. It'll keep you safe for about three days. I know I'm talking people out of buying it. But at the same time, it's like we have to have repetition over and over again to remind people about this because we have an older population that has access to technology and the cyber criminals are slaughtering to you that your stuff is stolen. You're not getting it back. Nobody's going to jail. However, 90% of it could have been prevented. So now let me explain to you what are the simple steps in the framework. And when people go, how is this going to prevent 90% as an FBI agent, after listening to a thousand victims, I discovered the patterns. Now discovering patterns is really cool. But it's when you create your own patterns, that's when the magic really starts working. So first of all, the first thing is talking about that social engineering is the weapon of choice of the cyber criminals. Okay. And that upsets my network friends. That upsets the 3% who are the techies who go, it's not, it's the network base. It's all in the packet. (laughs) It's not, though. It's not. My mother doesn't know what a packet is. Okay. Unless it's a sure Okay. But my mother can realize that social engineering through either phishing, texting, or telephone calls, or through websites, like romance scams, and Facebook account compromises, and LinkedIn, and getting messages. That is the tool of the cyber criminal, and it's going to go through weapons that they're going to use. And it's not, and what is social engineering? Tricking us into do things that we don't want to do. Mm -hmm. And what do they want us to do? They want us to download a, a piece of malware, or they want to, to click on a link and that's it. So I got to get people to understand because if I explain it to them, oh, wow, by you clicking on that link from Amazon, their bad guys going to steal all your money. And also, let me make yep. reference to the fact you're not getting it back. Right. And they're not going to jail. Yeah, that's it. Okay. So that's number one. That That's part of getting people to do that. The other thing that we have to realize is what are the cyber criminals trying to get us to do? They're phishing us to get information in malicious code and non-networks. But now the cyber criminals, you don't even have to do phishing anymore. Why is that? 
because there are so many usernames and passwords on the dark web, and there are so many people who don't secure their platforms with two-factor, and we'll talk about that, that now it's the account compromised Mm -hmm. because 66% Uh of the population is using the same password for multiple platforms. So now I have to convince people, because remember, I'm always in a game. I got 40 minutes. I got 10 minutes. I got to explain to you why you need to do this. So my whole big point here is if you were using the same password for multiple platforms, the cyber criminals are going to get access. So let me use the Yahoo example that I like to use. Mm-hmm. 3.5 billion Yahoo usernames and passwords stolen by, guess who? Russian organized crime. And what did Yahoo tell us all to do? Do you guys remember that? Get credit monitoring. Change your password. Change your password. So let's just yeah. assume all 3.5 million users change their passwords. Which they didn't. Which all they right, didn't. let's just play the game. Let's come on, humor me. This is my make-believe time, guys. I'm okay. Change their username and password. Everybody's Yahoo account is safe. Out of those 3.5 billion Yahoo users, what percentage do you guys think have a, either an iPhone, an iPad, or a Mac computer, which means they have an iCloud account. What percentage? Take a guess. We don't need to know the right answer, but what do you think? 80%. Yeah, I think it'd be lower, 50%. All right, let's just say for my example, it's 10%. Can we agree that it's more than 10%? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go lower. Let's go go lower. What is 5% of 3.5 billion besides a lot? Stay with us. We'll be right back. You know, we all have a lot of data, and it has to positively, absolutely stay safe. It can't get into the wrong hands, and the biggest challenge we have is how to transfer it from here to there. We all know as leaders that legacy tools that transfer our important files and sensitive data are mostly outdated and fall short on security, especially with the demands of today's remote workforce. Relying on outdated technology puts our organization's brand at risk, and that is unacceptable. So we're excited to invite you to step into the future of completely secured managed file transfer from our friends at KiteWorks. KiteWorks is absolutely positively the most secure managed file platform on the market today. They've been FedRAMP moderate authorized by the Department of Defense since 2017. And unlike traditional legacy systems with limited functionality, KiteWorks has unmatched software security with ongoing bounty programs and regular pen testing to minimize vulnerabilities. And the coolest part, they have easy to use one-click appliance updates you will love. Step into the future of secure managed file transfer with KiteWorks. Visit KiteWorks.com to get started. That's KiteWorks.com to get started today. And now, the show. I don't know. Math is not my forte. Out of that subset, there are 175 million Mac users, just for this example on the low end. And I guarantee you 99.9% say Macs don't get viruses. Well, nobody needs a virus on a Mac because almost 60% of the users are using the same password. Mm -hmm. So what's 60% of 175 million? Let's even bring it down lower. Let's say it's 10%. That's 17.5 million people are going to get infected. Mm -hmm. Wow. Because 60% of the population. So I need to convince users that they can't use the same username and password for platforms. But if they don't know what platforms they need to protect, it's game over. So let's talk about this from a user point of view, not an organization. I'm going to have you guys tell me, because I'm going to go sip some coffee. What are the platforms that your users need to protect to keep themselves and their families safe from a financial loss? Banking, employment, retirement, and social media. Social media. Yeah. Here's oh. a big overlooked one, guys. Your AT&T and your Verizon account. Oh, yeah. 
they get into that, it's game That's over. Sim, yeah, but once they're able to sim swap, right? Your entire digital well, life. That's not sim swapping. That takes skill. Just go into your <laughs> account and reroute all your calls and all your text right. messages to another number. Right. Everyone's like, well, yeah. what about sim swapping? I'm like, well, you don't have two-factor authentication. I mean, what you're protecting against the advanced threat, which is real, but let's protect the simple threat. So I need your users to go out here and identify mission-critical accounts. Now that we've done this, I want you to tell me what accounts that you see in your life that companies have access to that are cloud-based accounts that are outside of the world of IT and outside of the world of information security are doing a great job of protecting the perimeter, but now the perimeter's moved. We have banking, we have payroll, we have all of these different accounts. And think about how many different accounts are we using to keep things in. That's all the cyber criminal needs to get access to. He doesn't need your main data store. He needs right. your Salesforce. Right. And yep. how, so, or your, even your social media. Now this kind of causes a little bit of a frenzy because all of a sudden I always say, hey, I just looked at your risk assessment. What kind of, listen, you still got a ton of risk you didn't cover. And everyone goes, well, this isn't, uh, you know, my SOX 2 audit doesn't cover this. Day. And yeah. these same people who are using the Google Chrome browser that are storing all of their passwords in the browser, CyberCriminal gets access to the Google Chrome browser. Right. Just getting your Gmail account. Now he sees all your stored passwords. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, okay, guys, we've done all of these things. Are we out of the woods? No. Business email no. compromise. Because no. now your third parties aren't going to do this. Right. So, like, explain to the listeners that maybe aren't in the industry what business email compromise is. Okay, business email compromise yeah, is very yeah, easy that would be good. to explain. If you are not using two-factor on your email or your vendors are not, you are going to get an email from somebody you know and somebody you trust. So let's say you have two-factor authentication on your email. Let's say you work for a large Fortune 500 company. You have policies in place. You have the best email filtering tools in place. You got firewalls. You got XDR, MDR, EDR, things I don't even know what they do. You're one of your vet. So you are a secure fortress. However, the cyber criminals get access to one of your vendors because he's not using two-factor authentication or she. They see that you have a financial relationship with your vendor, with, with this mm -hmm. person. Now, all of a sudden, you, your accounts payable person, gets an email from your vendor and says some, there's no malware in the, in the thing. And all it says is this one thing. Hey, Barbara, I just want to let you know, can you, we just changed bank account information. Here is the new bank account information. Please enter this into the system. And unfortunately, in so many organizations, large and small, what do you do when you get an email from a third trusted third party asking you to do something? They're not asking you to send money. No. Nope. Right. All, they do, all they're asking you to do is enter into the system. And I've seen this happen before, and I've seen a company get taken for $6.8 million. Still happening every single day. And this is a financial person. Now, I've gotten brought into these because I've dealt with some pretty big ones. And I usually kind of get brought in and I ask the question, hey, what's your policy when you when somebody changes bank account and routing information on a bank account from a vendor? And they always look at the, the, the CISO. You guys are security experts. Who owns the risk in this situation for changing for financial information? Is that the risk of information security or is that the risk of finance? Who owns the risk? My opinion, honestly, no, my opinion is it should fall on finance. That's really? a policy. That's, that's a leadership decision. 
they need to implement the policies with the advice and counsel of their CISO or their legal counsel. But but every department owns their own security. Every individual does. But if I can get you to understand that right. on an individual level, then yeah. maybe you have hope. So that's right. why I always go with the end user in mind, because at the end of the day, I didn't lose sleep when these companies lost $4.5 million. I hate to say it. It right. mattered to me. But it killed me when somebody was tricked out of sending $10,000. Yeah. It was a horrible day. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Mark and I had Mark and I had an, an incident. Well, we've seen business email compromise in real life, Scott, is we've seen where a leader, somebody in leadership is going to speak at a conference, right? Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. They, and what happens? They post about it on social media. The marketing team does because they're proud of their leader, right? And she's going to speak at this conference. And lo and behold, the day of the conference, right as they are about to go on stage, right around that time, internally, they get an email from the leader that says, hey, it's going well here. I'm just about to get on stage. I forgot to get this vendor paid or something like that. Please, please get this done for me today because we're working on some deal or some socially acceptable reason. And they say, I'll circle back with you tomorrow. And it yep. looks like it's from the leader. It looks like it's from, looks like it's legit. It'll be a vendor or an account that they're used to. The that deal yeah. with. The thing that'll be different will be the routing instructions in the bottom. And if you yep. don't have a policy in place to independently verify, then you're going to fall short for that. Mark and I were meeting with a CIO and woman walks walks past and says, yep. oh, hey, we we transferred that over to X vendor just like you requested yesterday. And and we kept talking and we were there. And then right like a minute later, you saw the light go on above her head. And she goes, hang on a minute. And yep. she bolted out. And she's like, what wire transfer? What are you talking about? She's like, well, I got this email. She's like, that wasn't from me. And, it happens and all the time. Yeah, and you know, all the time. These are the things I write about. These are the things I talk about. Because I have one goal. I mean, you know, when I was with the FBI, I felt like I couldn't do enough. Yeah. I just really couldn't do enough. I've seen good, I've seen bad things happen to good people. I felt very, very powerless. I felt like I couldn't help. When I was a young FBI agent, I felt like I could save the day. Then I realized, you know, I had this epiphany that a majority of the things easily could have been prevented. And yep, as yep. a result of that, why I do what I do. And I live what I call my passion project life, which is trying to help people. And, you know, if you go to my website, cybersecuremindset.com, mm -hmm. here's the framework. It's everything that you've done. And what was the traditional advice? Scott, you're giving away everything for free. I'm like, look, I'm not <laughs> telling anything that anyone hasn't already known. If I can keep people safe, that's, uh, right. that's it. And that's how I make my living because you know what? I give everything away to the do-it-yourself people. You do not need me. You can go to LinkedIn. You could go watch my videos. You could do all that. And then companies call me up and they go, can you do it for us? That's, almost, that's not a full-time job though, right? What's that? I mean, that's all, that's like a full-time job for someone to actually figure out what all the best practices are. What I loved about your book is you synthesized it. You just follow it down in very practical terms, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's you just follow these things and actually do what is being suggested. You know, you reduce your risk. Right. And, and there's, no, there's no silver bullet, but but there is a reduction of risk. And, and I don't claim to solve every problem, but I've taken the nuggets that I've learned. I've taken what it took me 25 years to learn. And, uh, and and I'll share with you, a lot of my friends laughed at the time. They go, what are you going to do? You, you know, you're not technical, Scott. I mean, I've taken seven SANS classes. I struggled with every single one of them. And I realized that that's not my strength. My strength is taking things, boiling it down, being yep. very, very passionate. I love what I do. I've taken the nuggets of being an FBI agent. And that's why when people say, Scott, do you miss the FBI? I go, absolutely not. And everyone looks shocked. I had an amazing career. I would do it all over again. But well, what you're I've still on the same mission. You're still doing the same mission. Yeah. I'm doing 
but now I don't have to deal with the hangups. I, I can give my advice. I can tell people what I think. And I can just be very, very passionate about it. And that's why I love what I do. That's yeah. fantastic. And I would encourage all the listeners to connect with uh, Scott on LinkedIn. Scott pushes out a lot of really good information on LinkedIn with a good cadence that if if you connect with Scott on LinkedIn, you'll definitely learn something just by following his message. And Scott, I really appreciate your passion for what you do. I'm glad that to see somebody out there trying to boil the ocean with that. And so, no, and I love uh, what it, you're doing. You, you know, you guys are doing an awesome job. You got a great following. You know, I can't wait to push this out to my tribe and everything because just, you know, little by little, we just have to build our own ecosystem. We have to sit there. We have to, and it takes people, you know, to get, and I've been trying, I'm not giving up because here's one of the things that I've learned. You know, I got very frustrated because when I learned this information, I went out in front of an audience of 500 people. I boiled everything down into a simple checklist, which eventually became my book. And I said, come over, connect with me, and I'm going to give you everything you need to keep yourself and your family safe just in a couple of points. And five people came to me out of 500 and asked me for my information. And I went, oh, my God, I got so frustrated. I got angry and I was about to give up. But I said, I helped five people that day. Yeah, that's exactly right. right. If you save one business that has built a, a generational business and you keep their doors open because they just weren't looking at their blind spots, it's worth it. If you keep one family, one elderly fa family member that doesn't lose their life savings because of something that our message is, is resonating with, that makes it all worth it. Oh, yep. sure. Absolutely. So Scott, thank you so much. Links to Scott's book and his website and his LinkedIn will all be in the show notes. We thank everybody for listening. Scott, yep. thank you very much, sir. Hey guys, you're doing a great our... job. Thank you for having me. We sucked all the oxygen out of the room, or at least I did. That's great. <laughs> it was all absolutely good stuff, Scott. Be. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much. It absolutely won't thank be our you. last conversation, but we'll talk again soon. All right, guys. Yep. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Scott. All right. We'll see you, everybody. Bye. Well, that wraps this up. Thanks for joining everybody. Hope you got value out of digging deeper behind the scenes of security and cybercrime today. Please don't forget to help keep this going by subscribing free to our YouTube channel at Cybercrime Junkies Podcast and download and enjoy all of our past episodes on Apple and Spotify podcasts so we can continue to bring you more of what matters. This is Cybercrime Junkies, and we thank you for joining us.